Dear listeners, this is Shawnee. In honor of Bookstore Romance Day, we are headed to Redondo Beach on August 17th for an author signing. We're super excited to be heading to Creating Conversations, a mysterious galaxy partner. And we're going to be hearing from four authors, including Scarlett Peckham, who wrote The Duke I Tempted and The Earl I Ruined. Yes. Uh, so stay in tune because we're going to be uh, reviewing The Earl I Ruined next time. And hopefully including some snippets from their conversation at the panel. I'm excited, Bridget. I'm not going to lie. This is our first event together, and I'm pretty stoked about it. I got his t-shirts. Did you? Yeah. Oh, oh. cool. <laughs> is, my, is mine big enough to go over my stomach? <laughs> yes, it is. I am currently very pregnant. Um, it's going to be great if you guys are around on the 17th and want to go listen to some people talk about romance novels. We will be there. Feel free to hit us up and let us know. Yeah. We're, We're super friendly. Super friendly. Uh, and if you're not going to be there, well, that's okay because we'll tell you all about it. In the next podcast. Absolutely. We got you. Romance at a glance. Uh Uh-huh. Romance at a glance. What you saying now? Romance at a glance. Romance girl. Romance at a glance. Romance at a glance. We about to get nasty. Welcome to another episode of Romance at a Glance, where we dissect some of uh, today's yesterday's tomorrow's we don't know all of the different romance novels coming out uh this one is the duke i tempted by scarlet peckham and this is her debut novel Ooh, this is a really great debut novel this is an excellent debut novel yeah we have been waiting a couple weeks to talk about this because of various vacation schedules and i have to say it has been a rough few weeks because you know, you always want to like hold everything in to talk on the actual podcast. Um, but I constantly wanted to be like texting you while I was reading it. I think I actually texted you when I was like four chapters in and I was like, this is going to be your favorite one we've reviewed so far. You did. I was When you said that, I, I was like, and I hadn't started reading it yet. I was like, must read now. If, I was like, Bridget knows me. <laughs> and I couldn't quite figure out what was going to be in the book that you were like, you got to read this. And then you read it and you were like, oh, and I was like, crap. I can't talk to Bridget about this yet. And then we had to push off the podcast another week and then another week. I was like, gosh, this is is probably the book I wanted to talk about the most. I totally agree. I actually think this is the best book that we've read so far. Yeah. Just like, just like start to finish. I, not only did I enjoy the romance thoroughly and I thought it had really good romance, like the actual like anticipation and like the character development and them getting together and misunderstanding each other. And, but they're, like, even though they're misunderstanding, they're always, like, doing things to make the other person happy, even though all they have to do is, like, be honest. Shocker. But, um, <laughs> I, Communication. I, you know, yeah, right. Um, but it was actually just incredibly well-written as well. And I enjoyed the story surrounding the romance, um, you know, and, like, hearing about how she was, like, building her little nursery empire and things like that. Like, I, I just enjoyed I just enjoyed her writing style. I did. Yeah. I, I find that... There's nothing unique in romance, right? Mm-hmm. If you've read how many books we've read now, thousands and thousands, there's no new stories. There's no new whatever. Um, and for me, this was like a very pleasant surprise because it felt very unique, even though it's in this genre where it's very hard to be unique. Yeah. Like I've read the same story over and over many, many, many times from many, many different authors. Yeah. But this was like, and I've and and for there to be um, some real kink in the story, in a historical story. I know, which almost never happens. Never. 
usually like the historical ones are like soups vanilla or soups like misogynistic. Yeah. Um, but this one, she was like super independent. I mean, she almost turned him down until like the very last second for his marriage proposal. And also she was like in desperate straits. She was like, oh, snap, I won't be able to be safe if I don't find some sort of yeah. protective situation. Yeah. Okay, I'll marry you. Okay, fine. <laughs> Literally to keep myself from being taken advantage of, you I'll know. marry you. <laughs> Even though I think that you're wonderful. In that moment, I was like, oh, like... What a sucky reality sometimes to be a girl where you're like, like, want to do this thing, really can't because it's not safe or really can't. And it, like, I mean, it's much better than it was then, but still every day there's something where you're like, ah, oh, can't really do that thing because or can't do that by myself. I need to bring a buddy or totally like, or whatever. So it was really interesting. I was yeah. just like, ah. Oh. And I like the, the, I mean, this whole book is about that. Basically, that like she says like multiple times in it. If I had just been born a man, yeah, the unfortunate, yeah, like (laughs) none of this would be happening because I would be totally fine. She's always like the unfortunate of birth, or how does she say? I can't remember how she says it, but by happenstance, yeah, by happenstance, like all these other schmoes who don't know anything that I know are gonna like live happy lives and do well in business, and I'm like struggling because I'm happen to be a woman, right? Um, but it does make me happy though, you know. They do eventually get married. I'm going to recap the synopsis, guys. Like, stick okay. around. It's I'm going to get to it. But they do end up getting married. And I did think it was it was definitely – I already knew this, but it's always jarring to see it when it's like you lose, like, your name and your ability to do anything and all of your <laughs> rights. And you become your husband's property, literally, and all this other stuff. And I was like, we really have come a long way. Yeah. We've really, you know, we have a ways to go. A ways. But we have come quite a ways. I mean, I'm married. Not my husband's property. I, I could, <laughs> Unless I want to be. I could sign different documents by myself. I can get a loan if I want You can get one. a bank I account. I a house. I can get a bank account. I could start a business. I have started businesses. I can buy clothes with my own money. You know, I can... Inherit. I, you I can, can inherit, inherit things. <laughs> You know, so we really have come quite a ways, uh, still a ways to go, but I did like that they didn't shy away. Because sometimes I feel like they're like, in books, it'll be like, she's so independent and blah, blah, blah. And then it never comes up that she's giving up all of her independence. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was nice. And she's been so adamant. She was so adamant about it in the book. Right. Like at every turn. Yeah. And I, I really love the the way the book starts with her um, moving all her plants off of... <laughs> Off of the property, mm-hmm. so that the new <laughs> the new owner can't take possession of her nursery because it's the only thing producing money. Yeah, and she's like, "Bitch, I'm taking my, yeah, my sure, money. Paying, out of here. I've been paying rent. I'm taking my shit. I don't care if I have to walk it up you this know? goddamn hill myself." And the funniest thing is, she said, "She said like, oh no, legally, I protected my nursery, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter. He can still take. He could, he could it, tie it, me up in court, bankrupt me, exactly." You know, so yeah. so she still had all of her, you know, papers in order, but it didn't matter. Right. You know, it would still not matter if she didn't get it out in time. Exactly. So, so. Well, let's 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 take a step back. OK, so viewers and by viewers, I mean, listeners, because let's be <laughs> realistic. You can't see me. Uh, this is the synopsis of the Duke I attempted. Having overcome financial ruin and redeemed his family name to become the most legendary investor in London, the Duke of Westmead needs to secure his holdings by producing an heir, which means he must first find a wife who won't discover his secret craving to spend his nights on his knees or make demands on his long, scarred-over heart. 
Poppy Cavendish is not that type of woman. An ambitious, self-taught botanist designing the garden ballroom in which Westmead plans to woo a bride, Poppy has struggled against convention all her life to secure hard-won independence. She wants the capital to expand her exotic nursery business, not a husband. But there's something so compelling about Westmead, with his starchy bearing and impossibly kind eyes, that when an accidental scandal makes marriage to the Duke the only means to save her nursery, Poppy worries that she wants more than the title he's offering. The arrangement is meant to be just business, a greenhouse for an heir, but Poppy yearns to unravel her husband's secrets and attempt the Duke to risk his heart. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Risk your heart, baby. Yes. Risk your heart, baby. Um, I have to say that I really like Poppy. I did too. I was a five-star fan. I was a five-star fan. I was a five-star fan. If I could have given her a six. If I could have given her a six, I would have been like 10. <laughs> <laughs> She's just, she was just like, first of all, I just really enjoyed her, just like everything about her. I enjoyed yeah. the way she talked to people. I enjoyed the way that she like got her little bristles up when he, th- you know. When he questioned when her. He questioned her business and she was like, motherfucker, what? <laughs> She's like, are you engaged to this guy? Are you? She's like, yeah. that ain't none of your business. Yeah. And also, no, <laughs> and also, but that's not your business. She's also like, I'm gonna and take, I quit. Yes, I'm going to tell your sister that I'm quitting because of you. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. It's so good. And like the whole, I feel like, you know, the, the sort of like angst that comes about is that they end up getting married pretty quickly in the book. Mm-hmm. I would say in the first, at the end of the first, like third, probably. Yeah. Um. And basically the problem is that she's actually in love with him and wants him to open up to her all the way. And he's trying to protect himself and, uh, you know, the secret of liking, you know, a little BDSM in his love life. And in doing so, he ends up hurting her and ends up like, you know, getting further and further away from her. But I also like that, you know, in the scene where, um, you know, he's like, I'm not going to talk to you about this. Like, I told you what the arrangement is. She doesn't like wallow or cry. She's like, yeah. fine, fuck you then. And she like, goes and starts writing all her letters to like make her business. If that's all I'm getting out of this, I'm gonna be like the queen of this. She really did though. She was like, she's like, all right, I'll, I'll go take care of my business. Yeah. And then he's like, wait a minute, what did I do? <laughs> uh, I fucked all this up. I gotta fix it. Um, and it was kind of going all right. Like, like when they first got married, it's like if he had just said something, then they were already on the way to love. They were already connecting. They were already whatever. And it was like all this like secret that he didn't want to share that caused like this disconnect, right? Which I can I can understand because you like her character is like I know something's up, right? But you're not telling me what's up, so you feel she you know uneven. And I'm like, I'm like all books are like this. It's like somebody chooses just not to communicate. Yeah, like everything everything stems from that. Totally. Um, so I did like that she, that she did that. I also like that she was always pro, kind of proactive. About like she was like snooping. She was like, mm-hmm. that's, "That's what should I do?" Yeah. Like, oh, you're not gonna say anything. All right. Well, I'm just gonna go through your bag. Let me check out. Totally. I'm gonna look at these raunchy <laughs> books. These long things, and I'm gonna like think about it a little bit. Think about what we could do. You know. Hey, can we do chapter uh, page eleven? Yeah. <laughs> page eleven looks pretty good. Totally. Yeah. And and ironically, like you know, he ends up telling what I would argue is like the deeper sort of hurt in his life of his. Um, his first wife and child dying in the fire, he tells her about that relatively early. Yeah. Um, and I would argue that that, for me at least, that feels like that would be a more vulnerable thing to share than, oh, hey, I like to, like, get smacked on the ass with a whip. 
I don't know. But I guess in Victorian England, it's like in those, maybe not. In those days, and especially... I mean, it was like you could like, go to jail and lose all of your property. He's stuff. also the submissive, and I think That's it's more true. taboo for the male to be the submissive. That's true. You know? Like, when she finally... When she walks in on the scene of him getting his ass beat, like... Yeah. It it didn't come off good for him. Like, like even the way she described it when she walks in and he's mm-hmm. like... You know, leaned over, leaned over, whatever. It's, it was like a very vulnerable positioning. It's very vulnerable. And if you just imagine, like your significant other, like just walking in and seeing him bent over, vulnerable, right. and somebody beating him, and you're just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Except for that, I thought you know, like the saddest thing was when he realized, like she wasn't disgusted, she wasn't upset, she was just hurt that yeah. he would like go to someone else and not her, which I thought was, I mean, obviously he then went about and and fixed it. You remember when they had that like that that uh the sex the awkward sex scene before uh where she where it like they're angry at each other. Oh yeah, yeah. And she mounds him on the <laughs> she, table. Yeah, and she's like telling him what to do and yeah. he's all for it. Yeah. That was like their best sex scene, but they didn't know. know why it worked. <laughs> well, I know, because afterwards she was ashamed of her own behavior. Yeah. She felt bad that she was like treating him with such distaste and stuff. And then she like jerked it twice more and I was like, Good for you, girl. Good for you. <laughs> But then they, like, don't talk about it. You know, and I think it's, you know, (laughs) brings me back to education, Shawnee. That's where it brings me back. Mm -hmm. Because really, if you just told people about these things, and just like a matter of fact, it's not wrong to feel any of these things, then I feel like 85% of the world's sexual problems would immediately disappear. And, like, 100% of teen pregnancies probably would immediately disappear. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And, like, people would, like, very be like, it would be much harder for someone to get sort of blindsided into a um, problematic relationship uh, and being taken advantage of. Yeah. Because if you had all the facts up front and you kind of knew what was going on up front, even if you had never experienced it or you never wanted to, at least if you knew when an urge came on or when a feeling came on or when someone, you know, gripped your wrist hard and you felt your pulse race and you're like, oh, I'm disgusting. It's like, no, that that's just like, that's how bodies work. That's how bodies work. That's normal. <laughs> I mean, it might be normal for you. It might not be normal for everyone, but it might be normal yeah. for you, and that's okay. I, I had this conversation recently because somebody asked me, you know, do you think that all these kinks people have have been since the beginning of time? Or do you think it's because we're, we've we evolved to, to a level where we need to whatever? And, and I actually think kinks more so exist, especially some that are more extreme, because we've had to suppress. I think if people could actually have expressed some of their kinks from um, openly from a younger age, they actually wouldn't get warped as mm. as they do. Mm-hmm. Because I even think of just some things for me where I'm like, oh, well, I came up with that because it was a workaround. Right. Do you know what I mean? Or or like it was like, oh, well, I can't do this because you know God. So so I can only do this. Or it's like when right. when girls are, are like, oh, I'll only do anal right. because yeah, I'm, because I, need I, I can. Be a virgin. I need to be and a virgin. Like, you know, and then they really love anal, and then they they become anal queen. 99 on Pornhub. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I think if people didn't have to hide, yeah. then, you know, one, it'd be great. But two, I think these kinks would evolve differently. I definitely think they would evolve differently. I definitely think throughout time, people have had kinks. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Like, because, you know, human beings are an incredibly sexual... Spe- I mean, all animals are incredibly sexual species, but human beings are, especially because we can think, and so we can imagine, and we can... Uh, Imagination, yeah. I mean, the imagination is everything, and we can have anticipation towards it. And I definitely think kinks have been around. I and I hundred percent agree with you that most things that turn into some sort of like perversion 
of what would have been a healthy expression of their yeah. sexuality and becomes like shameful or becomes whatever um, could be avoided with just a little bit of openness. A little bit of openness. I think about that, you know, because you know, I have a kid and I think about that all the time. And I'm like, I 100% already know I'm going to talk to her about like what porn is and what what romance novels are and how to pleasure yourself and make sure you understand your own body mm-hmm. and and what things you might be into and what things you might not be into. Because I was having a conversation the other day and not that I, and I don't know the context around who they were talking about, but they were talking about a friend and, and, um, and how he was in a sort of like a dom and submissive relationship. And they clearly were like uncomfortable with it in general. And I was, you know, I don't know the situation. So perhaps he is taking advantage of his submissives or cause they called them a sex slave. And I was like, well, I was like, if you're not in that, you don't know. I was like, it could be a very consensual situation. It could also be very unconsensual and it yeah. could be something where he coerced them or where he's sort of brainwashed them or, or any number of things. But it makes me a little bit, uh, it makes me a little bit uncomfortable when people like immediately judge someone without kind of knowing all the particulars. Yeah. Cause I'm like, it could just be that you aren't into spanking someone that doesn't mean she's not into getting spanked <laughs> or, or, or tied up or, or I, I mean, I don't know. They didn't like tell me how far it had all gone, but, um, and again, I don't know that person, but it, it does make me feel like people get so much like puritanical shame put on their desires and that's just never helpful. Is and it- I've thankfully have always had a very healthy ego and sex drive and so when people are like that's weird i'm like go fuck yourself it's not that weird and like if i like it and they like it then we're gonna do that yeah. like i don't need you to be involved in my choices in the bedroom yeah um it's 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 interesting because having like just entered like the kink community right so i remember when i <laughs> like the first like class i went to or whatever i had my eyes like super open every everything was so different and new and somebody a long time ago told me, when you see something you don't understand, like, in your mind, open a new mental door and, like, put it in there. Like, put it in there and then go explore it later. Don't, like, immediately judge it or whatever. Mm-hmm. So whenever I see something that's interesting, so, like, the first time I saw somebody with their pet, right? So it was a guy and he had a girl and she was, like, on her knees. She had a leash and a thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then she had, like, a pad, like a like a doggy pad that she sat on, mm-hmm. like a pillow or whatever. In my mind, I was like... New mental door, <laughs> you know, yeah. Or, or whatever. I also like the the thing that Amy Poehler says in her book, which is not for me, but okay for you. Because <laughs> that's what I think. I see that, and I'm like, not for me. Good for you though. If it's for you and it makes you happy, it makes then good for you. Yeah. Not for me. You know, I have no desire to be kneeling on a little pad because <laughs> my knees will hurt, and I know I'll be uncomfortable. And all of, even just the positioning, I'm like, first I, of all. The positioning. The positioning. I can't. I was like, my I body can't. can't. I can't. I can't. Or even like, um, um, like, uh, like slave pose or like the the home like, um, like sub pose. Obesens or Wait, whatever they call. I forget, it. I forget what it's called, but yeah, it's like high protocol. It's like with your legs under your thighs mm-hmm. or whatever. 
like head down hand yeah. i can't sit like that for any length of time no. i would immediately be breaking all of the like you're supposed to wait for them to tell you what to do yeah. and i'd be like you've already called me like squirming bridget while you're editing because i'm always moving fidget bridget. fidget bridget i'm always moving there is no way i could stay still for longer than like maybe two minutes and then i'd be like trying to stretch an arm out i'd be like wiggling my toes i'd be like, I'd be like man i'd have to like stand and just do like a full you know sun salutation it would be like creaking and cracking crack yeah all, all the things you know but it's, yeah. it's it's interesting because like and then i've seen needle play where people are doing the needle designs through yeah. the skin in the back or there was a couple that got married and they were on hooks they were literally had oh, yeah. hooks through the back of their yeah. skin and or whatever and they were in love and they were, you know and so that that worked for them yeah so i i think that it's funny to me because Anything that two people consent to, yeah, it doesn't kill them. I think, like at the end of the yeah, day, it's a, yeah, is great. is great, you know. And 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 for that that woman I saw who was playing like a pet, for her, this relieves her like high anxiety for her. Sure, you know what I mean. When she goes into like her pet play, she goes from not being able to function because of anxiety to being controlled and yeah, feeling safe for her and whatever. Sure. So who am I to be like? That's not okay. That's weird. Yeah. That's weird. Like I can buy it for me, but you know what I mean. She's happy and he's happy. Like I can, and you can think it's weird. You just keep that shit to yourself. Yeah, you know. I agree. (laughs) I agree. Just talking about the positioning because it always makes me think of this. (laughs) Whenever I see anything, whether it's a photo or a GIF or porn or just anything where someone is tied up in an un in what I would describe as an unnatural physical position, I don't think it's unnatural to want to be tied up. Yeah. I like to enjoy to have my hands tied, but in a position that's not hurting my shoulders or my elbows or my wrists. Some of the positions these people are contorted into, I'm like, I'd never be able to walk again. That's all I can think. It's like the shibari with the ropes when they tie the legs around the legs so your calf is to your thigh. Yeah, no. How? No. I never walk again. I literally have a Charlie horse in like 14 seconds. It'd be terrible. Um, But yeah, I think think in general, I think in general, like – I think across the board, no matter what you're talking about, sex or not, if people just did that, open up another door or just said, you know what? Not for me. But it's, if it's for you, that's okay. And again, to your or, point, as long as everyone's healthy and consensual and it's not killing anyone or hurting anyone. Yeah. I feel the same way about like, it's like children <laughs> rearing. <laughs> yes. It, it might not be for you, but it might be working out great for their family. You know? So just say, not for me. I always say like, if you like it, I love it. Yeah. You like it, I love it. If you're happy, then I love that you're happy. Yeah. The end. <laughs> um, and in this one, I do have to say they were both liking it. I was liking it. I was liking it. I was I I liked that they had so for first of all, I always enjoy, as we've talked about in previous episodes, that uh the sex doesn't all happen in the last like chapter. I like even if it's just like like they didn't have full sex right away. Yeah. But they had like a steamy makeout. And then they had like, so they had the buildup. Yeah. And then they had like the couch scene where her ankle was hurting. And he was like going down on her. And then they had like, just like by the time they got to like them actually having sex, I was like down to clown. Yeah. I was like, let's do this. And it's, it made sense. It made total sense. And it was their wedding day. Yeah. But I also liked that because the book is a little kinky, they didn't like have sex in their bed and like a suite and, you know, they had sex like out. In the rain, yep. under a pavilion, where <laughs> you know, where he like stripped her naked. Because sometimes when it's got to go down, it's got to go down. Location like, independent. You, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, especially like if you 
had been anticipating this for months and months and months and months. Everybody's wet. Everybody's in the rain. <laughs> Your clothes are clinging. <laughs> perhaps. You can see all the things. Uh-huh. I'm saying outlines. Yes. Outlines are sexy. Outlines are sexy. Like, I'm a big fan of, like, I know everybody's like, like get naked and that's sexy, but I actually like clothing because clothing for me the imagination the imagination the mystique and the curves when you when you take your clothing off the curves go away like the way they fall Mm -hmm. goes away Mm -hmm. um and i love the way clothes fall on curves and things like that you know like if a guy just has on he has no shirt on but he has his his pants and a belt that shit just gets me. Do you know? Like, it just does. A belt. Yeah, the belt is crucial. The belt's crucial. The belt's crucial. Because when he takes it off and you hear the jingle yeah. of the buckle. You know it's going down. You know it's going down. It's all like Pavlo. Apparently, apparently, because we live in Southern California, I don't get this Pavlovian response because my husband doesn't wear belts. He doesn't wear pants because it's hot all the time. So I don't, I don't get the I don't, don't, don't get to put the belt, on a belt. I don't get the belt jingle. I understand the belt jingle. Though. You understand, though. I understand. It's like, as soon as you hear that, you're just like, ah, oh, shit, it revs yeah. up, you yeah. know? It's, it, it's very uh, it's very interesting. Yeah, know? I think, I mean, there's a reason why, like, lingerie and sexy clothing and, and a variety of different types is, like, billion-dollar industries because it it can be very quite provocative. Yes. And you only, and I know I only would wear stuff once, too, sometimes. I'd buy, like, an expensive corset thing for one time. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't you wear it again? Because I'd stick it in the back of the closet somewhere. Because uh, yeah, you're like, wear it every day. No, of course it's not. Uncomfy. And then I forget that I have it. And then I'm like, oh, I need another corset. Like, <laughs> I can't wear corsets. My boobs are too like, big. No, yeah, you got those big. Those, you're, anyone else, yours turn into those plates when you put them in a corset. I know. Anyone else who's on the podcast who has large bosoms, if you know somewhere you can buy corsets for very large bosomed women, let me know. Because... I always see those cute little those cute little things, and I'm like, but where do the boobs go? Because <laughs> my boobs are robust, one might describe them as, and uh, they don't fit. Well, I remember my cousin's wedding. She her corset. She has like triple D. I don't know what huge jungles, and they just sat up uh, next to her neck, <laughs> like yeah. in, in her wedding dress. I was like, that can't feel like you know no, and they're not right. round anymore they yeah. like i'm just it's like, like a shelf ah. yeah it's like a shelf yeah <laughs> or whatever i have like the perfect size little thing i remember being a kid and stuffing my bra and now i'm an adult i'm like thank god for small titties <laughs> like, dude i can sleep on my stomach <laughs> i know i know i i ha- told my husband before we got married that he better enjoy him while he's got him because after i finished breastfeeding our children shit is over <laughs> getting them out <laughs> They're going down as far as the doctor will take them. <laughs> Great. Um, <clears throat> he enjoys her breasts. He gives her breasts a little love. He does, which I appreciate. I appreciate it. Yeah. So what was your hero rating? What did we we both had a five for our heroine. We're loving okay. the poppy. I'm loving the poppy. For him, I gave him a four. And because he drove me crazy with the um like one, not talking, right. but and but you know, for the story I accepted it. But two mm-hmm. Like, there's a one point where he just, like, flipped. He just, like, got, like, you know, up until a certain point, he was, like, really trying to court her, really trying to be considerate or whatever. And then after they were married, he had this, like, fuck you moment. And I was like, yo, man, that's extreme. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, when she touched the key? Was that? No, that was the, no, that was, oh, it, when she saw his scars the first time? I think it was when she, uh, 
Or she asked him about the key again. I yeah, think. like she was asking him and he was like, I'm not going to tell I'm you or whatever. You. And and then he was like, this is not our arrangement. This is not our arrangement. And yeah. then it like escalated so quickly yeah. to me and whatever. And I'm like, I felt her pain in that moment as like somebody who's super independent mm-hmm. as a person. Like I'm not getting married because I'm trying to maintain my independence, right. <laughs> you know. And uh, so she finally was like, I'm going to I'll marry you. And now she's in it. She can't get out of it. And then he flips. And right. for me, I'm like, that's unfair, you know? So yeah. I gave him a four. I did actually like him. I like the angst of it. I like yeah. whatever. But in that moment, he lost a point. <laughs> okay. I gave him a 4.5. I really enjoyed him. I especially enjoyed that I feel like a lot of times um, when the guy is kind of a dick at some point, it gets really, like, glossed over. Yeah. And I like that his his apology was like of an appropriate scale. I felt like he was willing to like, let her go completely and like drew up the divorce papers and like gave her her freedom and her independence as a, like, I know that I ruined all of this (laughs) with my secrecy yeah, and that you just wanted me to let you in. And so, because I defrauded you, like here is your freedom and all this money and all of this property so that you don't ever have to be like beholden to anyone anymore. And I felt like that was an appropriate scale. It was. For the fact that he was being a butthead. Yeah. So he, I He also low key was like like but really don't leave me. <laughs> but please don't leave me cuz I love you. Yeah. But if you do leave me, I understand. Um and I also liked that it wasn't because he found out she was pregnant. Cuz at the beginning of the chapter, she's like, "Oh my god, I can't believe the doctor's like only waited 6 hours to tell him I was pregnant." Oh, yeah. said, "Don't right. tell anyone." <laughs> And so she thinks he's coming over because he found out she's pregnant, but really he doesn't even know she's pregnant yet. And he's just like finally doing sort of the right thing, the right thing. Yeah. Um, and telling her everything. And then I thought the last couple chapters, maybe two chapters where uh, they actually explore his sexuality for the first time was like very endearing because she's like a little nervous at first. And then she's like, Put this blindfold on, on. so that yeah. way I can do what I want and don't well, have to well, I love- look at you judging me. And like, she's like super into it. I love that she went to the the, the mistress or yeah. the domly, uh, um, da, what do you, dame, um, and was like, look, yeah, you know, teach me, yeah, <laughs> you know, teach me how to dig. You like, she yeah. was- <laughs> the lady's like, I'm not gonna ban him, and she's like, no, no, I want to be your your, your pupil. <laughs> and the lady's like, oh, oh okay, well, here's I'll his- your wedding grab. <laughs> you know, here, here's his key. I thought that was like super cute. The only thing I was like, they, they, they said that she was in there for like an hour, like an intensive hour. And I was like, what do you learn in an intensive hour? Well, they did talk about, she learned like the different, like how to switch the thing. So it sounded like she was learning a lot of like the, the, like the literal, like how to use the implements, uh, sort of thing versus like practicing on someone. Yeah. Like she was like, literally like, okay, what, how do I hit someone with a birch? I mean, I don't think I would know that off the top of my. How do you hit someone with a whip? I don't know. I don't know that off the top of my head I could, I could give the subtlety of like a flick versus a, a smack versus a one that's a little sharper as like a slight punishment for whatever them. The funniest thing is like so like because the thing is I've been going to classes and the classes are two hours long each to learn anything yeah. or whatever. But they have, like, this one thing that you go to an event where you can learn how to do all the things. You can learn how to paddle. You can learn how to face smack. You can learn how to flog. You can learn how to do all these things. And, of course, I have must-touch everything. Sure. Um, and so I, I, when I went, I wanted to learn how to do the flogger, right? Okay. And um, 
I was like, you know, you just hit him with it. <laughs> just wail just on wail him. Break a leg. And the, guy's, the guy's like, no, nah, no, nah, like, calm, calm down. Slow your roll here. Just hit him okay? with it. Like, he's like, you can't hit. Shani's Sh- like bursting people's kidneys and stuff. <laughs> like, I'm ready to go. Yeah. Like, I got this. You know? And uh, he's like, uh, he's like, no, no, no. Here, let's, let's, let's explore the places we are allowed to hit. Right. right. He's like, well, one, can't hit the head. No. <laughs> we don't hit the head. No. And we don't hit the tailbone. So, oh, yeah. But anything really in between is all right. You don't want to do like these heavy direct strikes on the kidneys or things sure. like that. You can kind of like hit them, graze them a little bit. You don't want to go go ham right there or whatever. So I'm like, they're trying to do it, you know, or what or, or what not. I definitely hit hit someone in the head once or twice. <laughs> this is bad aim. <laughs> the guy put his hands down literally so that I would hit him instead of actually hitting yeah, like, the, person. the person or whatever. But he said I did really, actually did really good for like my like first, first time. Because uh, And apparently I didn't know this at the time he told me afterwards. It's hard to put your hand on someone, like hold them and flog them at the same time because of just the amount of space uh, that angle, you need. Yeah. But because I was trying to not hit them in a I was using my hand as as a like a guiding, yeah, like a focal point. Okay, so I could always maintain the same way. I was just okay. So I put my hand down and I started doing it. He's like, it took me two years to learn how to do that. I was like, yes, head of the curve, a in the class. Let me tell you, (laughs) ready to flog some folks. Now I just need a flogger. (laughs) Oh my god, I just feel like. I can't imagine you're just like giddy excitement. He's like, you need to calm down. That's exactly- you need to just bring it right the fuck down. He's like, you're, you're, you're at someone. an 11 <laughs> yeah. and I'm going to need you to come down to like a three. Like a three to learn. Yeah. You can get to an 11 later, but let's just, let's just bring it on down. He also like, he also like changed the flogger. He's like, you're really excited. So let's, here, I'm going to take that flogger from you and I'm going to give you like the training wheels flogger. <laughs> um, all right. Well, speaking of flogging. Hmm. Did we feel like he was a McDreamy or a McSteamy? I thought he was McSteamy. Did you? I did. I was. I didn't. I didn't find him like McDreamy. I feel like it was a little bit more romantic as yeah. the way I see it. I saw him as a as a McSteamy, yeah. and he was willing to do the do the things. Yeah. So that for me, yeah. I think especially for historical romance, he was McSteamy because mm-hmm. he was Mc, he was her out. Yeah. And- <laughs> <laughs> he was eating her McMuffin. He was eating the McMuffin. <laughs> More than once. More than once. And I feel like in historical romance, that's not always the case. Yeah. It's not always the case. They they always over, they always like gloss over that. Mm-hmm. And they always gloss over the boobs. Mm-hmm. I mean, the boobs get no love. Yeah. Like in porn, in romance novels. I'm like, the boobs are the business. I, you know what? It's funny is, is my boobs are not that sensitive. Dang, girl. Mine are like. I think it's because they're too. I think it's because the nerve endings are too far away. And all the boobs. <laughs> so I've never really cared about that. Because I'm like, I mean, if you if it's bringing you joy, it's not like I hate it. It's just yeah. like there are other more erogenous zones. Yeah. Than that zone. I also get really mad when people compare. And this is a complete side note, but really mad when people compare boobs to penises. And I'm like, they are not equivalent sex organs. No. The vagina and vulva uh. area. Is the penis area and the balls. I mean, it's pretty... The uh, boobs are chest hair. Yeah. That's all the boobs are. It's chest hair. That's it. Just chest hair. That's the equivalent. They are not... No. At all equivalent to a penis. Me showing you my boobs is not... Does not mean show me your penis. Show me... Well, and also, like, it's just not... 
the same. No. Like you like fondling my boobs does not mean I fondle your penis. <laughs> I fondle your pectorals. Yes. This is where we're at now. We're at this level together. Base one. Yeah. We're at base one together. Perhaps rounding it to steal the second. Like, yeah. I don't know. But uh, it's just I a, it's a side pet peeve of mine. Yeah. I, I would say it's accurate. Yeah. <laughs> People are dumb. Um, and our, and the, the, thing, the other thing too is like when it comes to like kinks that I've realized is like people have kinks based on their own sensation or whatever. And in general, we all kind of think we're the same, right? Mm. We're all humans or whatever. And even in the last two years, I've realized, like, I never knew that my skin registers so much uh, um, differently than other people's skin. Like, I don't have any natural oils in my skin. It does ha- it has no give, right? So, like, like, if you were to, like, you know, turn the skin, skin in my arm very quickly it would hurt where somebody else you could stretch it, it, oh, yeah. it would stretch for me it's like ah right there it's like nope doesn't give it feels like you're ripping my skin off mm-hmm. you know and and the way pain registers is just different like mm-hmm. you can scratch me really hard and i'm like sure child's play you know yeah. um but if like you tickle me or you touch me really lightly it will irritate me till i want to like kill your whole family <laughs> it's like dear god if you don't get out of my face right now with that yeah. like and other people are like they hate scratching or whatever sure. they want that like light sensation so it's so when it comes to kinks to to believe that anybody's is better or worse than anybody else's is like not to is to kind of think that everybody's body is yeah. made to to and take their, in information the same way and their mind you too. know yeah and like you're you're i think that people have a foot fetish because where the feet are like located in the brain mm-hmm. it's right next to like your pleasure center and so there's a cross and there's a lot of nerves in your feet too yeah my my foot is attached to my vagina no i mean someone's like rubbing your feet or something yeah it, or? Well, it's attached to my uterus right so if i have a cramp like yeah. right now i'm on my period it at my foot cramps first right before it's like a trigger that i know oh, that funny. cramps are coming so somehow there's a wiring there. Oh, definitely. So like it also works for like fun time. Yeah. It's like, ooh, there's a wiring there yeah. and you put like squeeze my foot. It's yeah. like, woohoo. I have to say that I'm really thankful that that isn't a fetish that my husband has only because I walk barefoot all the time. <laughs> my feet are always dirty and like calloused. And uh, I just would feel bad for him <laughs> if that was something he really needed because I don't know that I would commit to like getting pedicures and washing my feet to the satisfaction of someone who's going to have them on their genitalia. The crazy thing is, if he if he had foot fetish, he probably would want to wash them for you, and he'd probably want to paint them for you. Oh, see, see, that could have been so a benefit. Now I need to rephrase. I wish he had a foot fetish, and I could get foot scrubs and my nails painted every day. That sounds. He's delightful. like, I need your feet today. Babe. I need yeah. your feet today. Really it was a good. stressful day. It was a stressful day for me too. <laughs> You rub those feet. Rub those feet. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, well, in that case, I changed my mind. But if if that wasn't on the table with it, I would not want my feet near anyone's genitalia. That I, is for sure. I, I agree with you because I'm saying barefoot all day. all day. I'm like, they're rough. Yeah. They're pretty from the top, but don't look for underneath. It's hobbit feet underneath. Yeah. yeah I have a garden. I'm in there barefoot every <laughs> yep. day. I'm outside. Uh, what else we got? Oh, well, we talked. I mean, we obviously have been talking about kink this whole time, but... This book, I would say, classy to nasty. I'm giving it. I'm giving it some good kink in there. Yeah, there's a little BDSM in there. Yep. Um, they did have. I mean, they did have like a vanilla encounter or two, but for the most part, their encounters had some level of kink. kink. They, they, it was definitely kinky, and yeah. and 
definitely a light BDSM yep. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there was definitely power exchange. Yep. So I oh, think, definitely. Yeah. So I think it definitely fell into that. And there was, uh, a, there was a nice, I thought the, the part she put in where he was explaining like afterwards on Need You to Hold Me, like it was nice that he explained that up front. Yeah. Because I feel like it's all about communication. And it's she like, was yeah. like, obviously wanted to snuggle him and stuff. She, <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, I've never whipped anyone, but I can imagine that afterwards just like it's a lot of emotion because yeah. it's like a very very vulnerable thing on both sides. Uh, well, to also, doing. also when you when you engage in that kind of play, you the chemicals those all those happy chemicals go way way up, yeah. but then they must come way way down. Sure. So it leads to like depression afterwards if you don't do any sort of aftercare or loving or whatever, you'll actually spiral out sure. and be like, did this person really care about me? Did they whatever? You'll sure. go into irrational thought. <laughs> Yeah. So that's like, that. so it's kind of like almost like the most important thing to remember to do the aftercare. Yeah. Uh, so that doesn't happen. And then this was good for me. It was good for you. Yeah. It was like, you, know. you know, just that reassurance. And yeah. it's, it's considered, it's considered cruel, cruel punishment and kink for you to go like radio silent mm-hmm. on your submissive. Right. So you have like a scene and you don't call them the next day or talk to them or, or whatever. That's considered like cruel and unusual punishment. I can see that because they're letting, they're letting you, I mean, I'm going to say be cruel and unusual, <laughs> but they're letting you like take them to a point of extreme vulnerability. Yeah. And then to not like say not to, anything yeah. afterwards, that is very cruel. Yeah. Because you just like opened up all kinds, like not only your body, but your mind and everything. And yeah, that would be, that's a no no. It's a no no. That's a no no. <laughs> I, I mean, I think in, I don't, in life, I don't even in know general. the rules. I think in general, if you have like sex with someone, it's like a no no to just like if they're expecting you to call, then you should you should call, call them. Yeah, even if that's not going to work out, be like you know it's not going to work out, but I'm going to let you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, has nothing to do with the fact that our mutual body fluids were near each other. Just isn't going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, uh, the skimmer's guide to the cookies and the nookie. You know, this book had quite a few moments, Mm. quite a few. I think the first one in the book version was chapter seven. I'm not sure where it was in the Audible version. So in Audible, it was in chapter 11 that they actually got down, but they... Oh, I think I was was counting... No, I think you're right, actually. So so they didn't have... They had almost... they, They got pretty far in chapter 11. Yeah. Because they didn't really do it, I think, the, till the first time till they got married. Yeah, yeah. And that was chapter 33 in Audible. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that I remember that off the top of my head and did not look at my paper uh, <laughs> tells me how much I was in it. I was like, yeah. yeah. I read this book quick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I pretty typically read books fast, but I read this book, I think, in one sitting. Yeah. And I have, like, a job, and <laughs> I have kids, and I have a husband and responsibilities. And I was like, look, you guys can, like, deal with yourselves tonight. I'm, I need to be just reading this book. <laughs> I have priorities. Okay? I remember listening to this book uh, partially in the car mm-hmm. at a certain point, And I was like, I, I need to be home. To, to, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I need to be home. I need to be home on my couch, I'm comfy. Comfy yeah. to listen to this book. Yeah. You know? I was like, one point in traffic. And I was like, this is, this is not the business. I want to be home. I know. I know. I I was into it. I was into it. Yeah. Um, my favorite lines from the book, ironically though, 
did not have anything to do with sex. Sometimes they do, Me sometimes too. they don't. Because you know that I like, you know I like the romance more than I like the nookie necessarily. Yeah. But um, these ones were all, I feel like they were all just like, I enjoyed the way she was writing about like womanhood at the time. So this was my favorite. Was the actual answer was too vulgar vulgar to disclose to a person who would never be able to understand the endless concessions one must make as a woman in living in the world of men. How one must resign oneself to the ever porous line between friend and foe, weighing expediency against principle. And I was like, yes, even today. It's like, is it worth like angering someone when you don't know what their reaction is going to be? Or is it better to just placate them and just like sweep it under the rug? I yeah. feel like that decision, even as a modern woman in 2019, I feel like I have to make it a lot. Yeah. Thankfully, not with the like the men in my life who are closest to me. So I don't have to make that decision with like my husband or my dad or my brother or whatever. But I do feel like I have to make that decision frequently with people I work with, with, I mean, the teller at the gas station, some random guy who comes up to you on the street. Like, yeah. there's so many instances where you're like, really want to be like, just get the fuck out of my face. And yeah. you're like... Is it worth the satisfaction I'll get when I don't know what the response is? And it could be a dangerous response. Yeah. And, and in her case, you know, a response, you know, she's she's describing why she um, was still friends with Raritan, um, Tom Raritan, uh, after he is being like such a complete douche all the time to her. Yeah. She's like, she's like, how do you even explain to someone who has all the power that like I can't not I can't just tell him to get out of my face because he could literally do so many bad things to me. Yeah. I I, I think that was like an, uh, an amazing line. I when I when I read that line, I forgot about that line until you said it. But when I read that line, I was like I encountered this situation so many times. Like I have someone I work with constantly that I'm um in general I'm really blunt, right? But I have someone I work with where I'm like I there's so much I can't tell you. You like, and the thing is, he asks for honesty all the time. He's like, I need to be honest and be honest, but he can't handle honesty. Mm -hmm. Like, so I'm constantly navigating how much to tell, when to tell, how to introduce it, you know, throwing it out casually, like, you know, that sort of thing. And it's exhausting. Yeah. To the point where, like, I try not to really hang out or whatever because I'm, in general I'm a pretty open person. I tell everybody. I'm like this is what's going on. I won't tell other people's secrets, but I tell mine all the time. Yeah. You know, and and so uh I distinctly I distinctly dislike that that has to be the yeah. case, you know. And I know I like my partner. I I probably hurt his feelings all the time because I'm so blunt. Yeah. You know, or whatever. <laughs> but but you know, he knows. He knows it's coming. He's like, "Ah, oh, that wasn't nicest." But at least I know the truth. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it is, I, I just liked that the, the truth to powerness of it. She's yeah. like, how do I even explain this to you in a way you'll get? And she basically doesn't. She's just like, you don't, yeah. you're never going to understand this. It's, it, also, it's like an emotional intelligence sometimes that I feel that a great number of men don't have. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like being a woman just means you come with this higher level of nuanced intelligence. <laughs> I think so. I think I think it's like anything. It's like, you know, like I didn't get certain uh, lessons of, you know, emotional intelligence or sa personal safety that you got because you're 
of color. So your parents had to prepare you for the world in a different way than mine did. Yeah. We were both women. So our parents had to prepare us for that aspect, (laughs) but like I didn't have an added layer. And I feel like every, like I could never imagine like what that childhood or like all the things that your parents, when you came home and said, so-and-so said this, your parents had to explain and I had to, you know, do all these things that my parents just like never ran into. Yeah. So it's definitely, I can see why if you aren't a really conscious parent of a boy, which clearly the generations before <laughs> us have not been. But the new generation uh, is doing pretty good. It seems like they're trying. You know? I don't, I'm not raising a boy, so I don't know, but it seems like they're definitely trying. But it's like if you're not consciously raising them to think about the other person's perspective and think about your, you know, the differences in situations, yeah. um, then I think that... How would you ever know? It's like my my brother, um, he does an amazing job. Of course, he's a boy in a house full of girls, right? <laughs> and he gets actually his own little in his own little feminist bubble crazy. He goes to some extreme sometimes that I even don't. Like he plays video games always as a girl, right? Uh, he does this specifically so that when guys say like misogynist things, he can like go off on you them. Clap back at them. Yes. <laughs> so funny. You know, or whatever. And I'm always, he's like, That's good. he's protecting girl then, gamers. You know, and then he reports them and, and, and Which cuts good. them out, you know? Yeah. Um, and I know he does that specifically because he's in a house, you know, from girls and he's heard of all our horror stories and experiences and he's, you know, he's angry that that's, you know, the case. Or whatever, um, and and uh, I I babysat recently for a friend who has two sons that I swear to God are the most conscious little boys I ever met in my in my life. Like they say stuff, and I'm just like, holy cow, who's raising you? She's amazing. Yeah. Like you know, and, <laughs> like his dad, the way they model when I watch them, I'm like, oh my gosh. And I I remember being there, and another little girl coming in, and she said in the room with the boys, she was like, I don't hang out with girls. Uh, because girls are just too much drama, right? She's like nine. And the boys are like, well, we have girlfriends and they're awesome. Like the the, the response back was like, I was just like, slow clap. Like slow, yeah. slow clap for you yeah. guys. Yes. <laughs> you know, so I have, I have hope for this next generation. I've seen much more sensitive uh, people being uh, uh, accepting of sensitivity in men Teaching, yeah. teaching emotions and letting those ride in totally. men and stuff. So I, don't, I think it, it's... Uh, yeah, I worry because obviously there are still a lot of people who aren't doing those things. And I get worried because I feel like girls have have had like the female empowerment thing going now for like girl power and girls yeah. can do anything for a couple of decades now, which is, you know, obviously why as society is rolling around... Um, women are starting to evolve and, and reach different, different heights, uh, you know, professionally and personally and all this other stuff. And I worry that we're slowly adding in the, like, and also <laughs> boys, you don't have to like be a man and be tough. And, yeah. You, know, you can just be who you are and yep. who you are is just great. <laughs> it's just great. It's just fine. And you can cry and you can cry and you, and it's, but it's interesting because I've been around families where like a grandparent or an uncle will be like, you know, you can't, boys don't cry. And I really didn't like, depending on how well I know that family. Sometimes yeah. I'm like, actually they can, you need to back off. <laughs> um, and sometimes like their mom will jump in or their dad will jump in or, yeah. or whomever. But I'm always like, what a stupid thing to tell a child. You can't have an emotion. <laughs> and then that's like, again, leading back to the whole like sex education thing and leading back to like people exploring their own feelings and emotions. It's like, if you tell someone, 
whatever you're feeling is wrong, then that's when all those things get twisted and you start putting them in weird boxes them in that weird they don't boxes. fit in. And yeah, you know, I, I know like um, my cousin is having an issue now and I realize that this is probably a problem for so many people. Right. Which is like, you rely on your grandparent on the grandparents to babysit. Right. And so every time she sends the kids to the grandparents, she says the kids come back and they're different people. Like the grandparents, uh, you know, do the thing where they're like, you can't cry. You don't do this or whatever. Or boys, they came back going, boys do this and girls do this. Mm-hmm. And they're like, and, and she's raising boys. All She's raising boys that she's like, no, you do whatever you want. And her boys are like artistic and sensitive. They want to paint their nails. They want to they sure. do the things. They want to whatever. And she doesn't put any stigma on those, you know. And it's funny because I remember somebody going crazy about their son painting nails. That is like such a phase that happens and is quickly over. There's very few boys that keep constant like painting their nails down. There's very cute, few kids who want to keep doing it yeah. in general. In general. It, it takes so much time. Do <laughs> like yeah. you know what I mean? And also yeah. society on its own does that. Like if totally. a boy goes to school and he doesn't see his friends doing it, he, like they, yeah. a lot of times they quickly give it up. So if they're committed to... To the nail painting it'll stay but if they ain't committed it goes away like so i don't understand it's to me it's like always you're making something out of nothing and the fact that you made something out of it now they're like oh now it's something this is a thing yeah you know and so that's always very interesting but but yes yeah, so when you're when a different generation is like raising your kids and you need them to and you're trying to have that conversation you know as she is like hey we don't tell our kids these things mm-hmm. we need you to respect these boundaries but they're like fine but we ain't gonna watch your children that becomes so it's so tricky so as you know my mom lives with me and she is an incredibly open-minded person however she is just of a different generation it's just a fact and she'll even say some things occasionally that i'm like okay yeah but i in the future i think it'd be better if we rephrased that because you know it's 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 so easy for a kid to pick up what you're giving them yeah and if you say things like, you know, oh, like, I don't even know a good example. Like, oh, you're flirting with the the boys. And I'm like, yeah. no, she's a baby. She's just <laughs> charming. <laughs> she's just looking and laughing. Yeah. And she's doing it to everyone, girls and boys. And maybe one day she's going to like girls. Yeah. Maybe she'll like boys. Maybe she'll like both. But by if you say all the time, like, you're flirting with boys and one day they grow up and they don't like boys... Now they're like, what's wrong with me? Because all my life people have been saying that. Yeah. So we're trying to be very conscious about. Um, or, or even the reverse, like where boys think, oh, if a girl smiles at me, she's flirting. Yeah. And where you're like, no. I'm just a charming ass person. I'm just a smile. I'm just a happy individual. <laughs> this has nothing to do with you. And it's very tough because I, you know, we have uh, quite a set of uh, set in their ways grandparents <laughs> on the other side. And at the moment, she doesn't understand English well enough for me to be really like constantly saying like actually not comfortable with what you just said but i know that the day is quickly approaching yeah. where i'm gonna have to like step in and say actually like you can't you just can't say that to her because they assign a lot of genderizations onto just general personality traits yeah that i think is very unhelpful <laughs> for a little kid because i'm like no and also i feel like they um, assign a lot of like arbitrary things that they then attribute to being a girl or a boy yeah that i'm like you're only i mean like if you didn't know she was a girl then you would say it's because she's a boy yeah like you don't that doesn't make any sense to me (laughs) but it's just i mean and i get they're trying to like fit her into their worldview and and they love her and that's the hardest part is like you want them to know their grandparents and be around them but at the same time 
I want her to be emotionally happy and healthy. <laughs> I don't care if you're upset by my choices to yeah. keep her happy. And happy. <laughs> um, but it is so tough because it's also one of the things I've found is that it's also hard to say, hey, the data has just changed. And like, this is just, you've had, you know, since you last raised a kid, it's been 30 years plus. And the the science and the psychology and all the studies and all the research has just changed. Like more has been learned. Now they have data from all around the world that they can compare, which was obviously not possible back then. Like, it's just different. It's not saying what you did was wrong. It's just saying that what we're doing is different because yeah. there is just new data and there's just... Yeah. And, it's so hard for Tweaks. people to not get very upset by that. Yeah. And it's so hard to say like, yeah, okay, we well can you can be upset but you still have to do it my <laughs> way, you know what I mean? It's a it's a tricky it's a tricky situation all around. Yeah. Especially they had the same thing with their parents too. And, oh, I'm sure. But now they have I'm am, sure. They have such amnesia now. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. You know. Oh my god. I can imagine. My mom has told me like the shit that my dad's family told her or that her parents told her about whatever she was doing with us. And she was like, I don't care. This is what we're doing. It's where you grow. <laughs> and it's yeah. So it's definitely it's it's just, you know, if people just get very set in their ways. They do. They do. Very set. And ego is like a real thing. It's tough. Like, it's especially tough. when your kids or things like that where that are a very prideful thing, I think, yeah. you know, comes yeah. in. Like, well, play. you turned out okay. And I'm like, I am fine. <laughs> but I also would like her to be better yeah. than fine. I'm always like, the next generation's job is to take it to the next level. Right? Input new data. Yeah. Get new results. Yeah. Like, so if... Like, if my kid did things the same way I did, I would actually be kind of disappointed. I'd be so disappointed. <laughs> I'd, be like, oh. I'd be like, I want you I to- didn't get you to here <laughs> so you could do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, like, I've taken a lot of courses and talked to a lot of people and worked a lot of my emotional, like, intelligence and my emotional uh, ability to, like, talk to people and, and listen to new ideas without, like we were talking about earlier, without getting riled up or without immediately saying, oh, that's wrong. Yeah. Like, I work really hard to, like, at least ingest, I might think it's wrong anyways, but I at least work really hard to ingest it first and think first before yeah. I like, and especially about something, you know, like you unconsciously are hurting people around you who care about you all the time because you don't know what, what their sort of emotional thing what, what, is. What might tr- trigger, what might trigger someone, yeah. what might have happened in their past. They might've had a shitty day at Subway. You don't know. And something you say triggers that experience. Who knows? It could be deep and it could be surface level. <laughs> but I think the important thing is like recognizing that you heard someone talking through it, opening up the discussion yeah, and then resolving it and figuring out how to not trigger them in that way again. Yeah. You're going to trigger them somehow. Yeah. And I feel like I would be so thrilled if my kid learned that as a kid, which she will because I'm working on it. But like if I'm teaching her that as a kid, I learned that you know, let's say high school and onward. But if she starts learning that at one, that like when someone upsets you, then you talk to them and you resolve it and you try and find out, you know, or when you have an emotion, emotions are okay. And you can voice them and you can say that you're upset, but you can't hit people because you're upset (laughs) or you can't bite them or whatever. I mean, like, I think I would be so, I would feel so, so, so fulfilled as a parent if, if like by the time she like, gets to high school she's like some people are like being mean and she's like let's talk about what triggered like what happened yeah. you know like how did i hurt your feelings like somebody will like, come i up apologize to- for hurting your feelings because i didn't mean to yeah 
And like, you know, and if you want to be a crazy bitch and not forgive me, or you want to be a crazy, you know, whomever and not forgive me, (laughs) then that's, that's your choice. But I'd still like to be your friend. I would be thrilled. I I remember uh, like somebody wanting to beat my ass. Everybody always wanted to beat my ass in middle school. Um, (laughs) And I didn't, I know what it was. I know why now, but I don't know. I didn't know why then I didn't realize. Um, And it was, it was, it was because I had a lighter skin tone and everybody else had a darker skin tone Uh and um, they, everybody was bust in from a different area. Right. Uh, Um, And so I was just like, and I had no idea of this thing between lighter skin tones and darker skin tones. Mm -hmm. And um, it wasn't specifically that it was that all the boys liked me and they only liked me because I had a lighter skin tone. That's really what it was. And so it, was this thing where there was this angst with all the other girls, but I didn't know because I didn't hang out with them. We didn't have the same culture, so we did not hang out. And uh, uh, But I remember uh, one day this girl wanting to fight me, like for literally no reason. Um, and I remember going, go, like looking at her and being like, well, why? Like, you know, and she was like, I want to beat your ass. And I was like, why? Like, what, like, I didn't, did not compute. And the situation very quickly diffused because it's hard to beat someone's ass who's like, but why? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? What are we? Who's not throwing any hostility yeah. back at you, and is like, just like, huh? Like, what are we doing? What? What happened that there's, yeah. you know, like, or whatever? Yeah. And and uh, <laughs> and I, I'll never forget that because I was always like, uh, they were always trying to like provoke me into something, but I just I was like a really mellow kid, you yeah. know. I fought. I had. I did fight a couple times, and every time I won, and because I have a lot of siblings, I know how to fight, but it doesn't mean that's my, you know, go-to state, you know, or whatever. And then after that, they left me alone, but it's really hard to, to fight somebody who wants to problem solve. (laughs) You know, I think it's really interesting about that is that's just like a good example of a a generational learned behavior because I came from slavery because lighter skinned people were working like in the houses instead of in the fields. And they were getting like better food and better clothes and better, uh, better well, treatment. You were better, also better treatment. Well, you were also probably related to. You're also to, probably related to, to, to the master of the yeah, plantation. Probably meant that your parent, your mom, was raped at some point by the master of the plantation, and it's such an interesting thing because it just shows like you really can hand down, even yeah. unconsciously, because they probably don't think, "Oh, I'm handing down a prejudice of light women." Yeah. Like the women in their life probably aren't actively saying, "And light girls are the worst," but it's like such a learned thing from watching the way well, that their some mom of, some of their, them are some i mean like when i look back my mom was really great at at nipping stuff right she didn't like so my siblings we range from the most chocolate chocolate i'm the lightest one um and she never we i never knew anything different you know my sister is much darker than i am and i was like she's a goddess you know like whatever and i remember the first day a girl coming up to me in middle school i had gone from private to public and she was like um, she's like, you think you're, uh, because I wouldn't talk to them because they were rough. I mean, they were a rough and tumble group. Um, she's like, yeah, you, you're like a little suburban kid yeah. from the inner city. You're <laughs> like, I don't know if we could be friends. Yeah. Like it was, you know, like. <laughs> My mom says I have to go to church after school. <laughs> that's, that's exactly me. I was like, what's going on guys? Hi, whatever. You know, and I was a really bubbly valley girl or whatever. And, and, you know, to their own credit, they had to be rough for wherever they were. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just our cultures were different. You know, my mom wouldn't let me hang out with them under no circumstances. Um, and so at school, I used to dodge them. I used to go to the library and read every day because, the, like, there was always a something. And I never, and I didn't understand, you know. And so 
I remember this girl coming and saying, "Oh, you don't want to, you don't want to hang with us. You don't want to like be part of our crew because you're light skin." And I was like, "What does that have to do?" Like, I, I, I was so confused. I was like, and I remember thinking, "Well, my sister has dark skin. Like, what? Like, I didn't. Yeah. It did how not. Was that come, relevant? How was that relevant? Yeah. You know." And that was my first introduction to the, the that idea of different skin tones being a. Uh, an better or worse better or worse or an answer for something mm-hmm. you know and i remember going home and talking to my mom and my mom never blamed things on racism she always blamed it on ignorance she so she never made it like about the like your color or whatever she's like oh that person is just ignorant i remember the first time somebody was uh, like called me a nigger right it was this boy from down the block i was on my bike and he came with this stick i still have the scar and he like jabbed me in the stomach and he was oh like god he just ran he was like nigga <laughs> and like hit me in the stomach i had no idea what was going on i was like what the you know and i ran inside and i told my mom and my mom <laughs> my mom immediately like she grabbed she grabbed me and she marched down to his house or whatever and uh um to tell his to tell his dad to talk to his dad or whatever yeah um and but that was the first time I'd ever heard that word. So first time I never knew. But she never said like, "Oh, it's because you're black." She's like, "Oh, it, it's ignorance. Some nobody's raising him well, or whatever." Which and is true. It was a true. Kid is stabbing another little kid in the stomach. Oh yeah, for any reason, let alone saying a racial slur. Yeah. You're not doing you're, a good. You're, you're job not doing a good. <laughs> you know, but Jesus when Christ. we when we got there, I distinctly remember like the dad was drunk and it was only like noon. Oh. Was, dad was completely drunk, and I'm a little kid and I can tell. I'm like, he's drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, and his dad beat him right there in the doorway to like an inch of his life. And I remember thinking, that's not the result I want. I didn't want to get hit, but I also did not want to see him get beat down like that, you know, or whatever. And I remember it just being a weird, a very weird situation yeah. to have or whatever. <laughs> but like to nowadays, like every time somebody has a kid, because my family's so mixed, you you can get any end of the spectrum of eye color or skin tone or whatever. And I distinctly hate it when people comment on a new baby. The new baby comes and they're like, oh, are they light? Or what color are they going to be? Or what's their eye going to be? Or whatever. And they're vying for a specific thing. I'm like, you have a healthy baby. Shut the fuck up. Love on your healthy baby. Don't talk about my... If I have a baby and people are like, what? I'm like, don't talk about my baby's looks. Don't talk about... Like, I don't, I don't want that to be something that they're hearing... Yeah, I think it's weird when people say, like, oh, your kid's going to be a heartbreaker later. And they're like, what a weird thing to say. We're <laughs> like, oh, the girl is going to be chasing the girls. And I'm like, what a weird thing to say about a baby. People are so weird, you know. So. I uh, I do have to say, though, Kira had blue eyes for the first, like, she kept them for, like, almost eight or nine months. And me and Leo were really pulling for them to stay because they were, like, this, like, deep slate blue. Yeah. They were really unusual. And we're like, maybe they'll stay. So unusual. <laughs> so cool. I mean, I always thought they would end up brown because his eyes are like incredibly dark brown. Yeah. Uh, so I assumed that they would be light brown, which they are, but, or like medium brown or whatever. But uh, they were like slate blue for so long. We we're like, I don't know. Maybe it's a genetic anomaly. <laughs> maybe the baby's going to have slate blue eyes for the rest of its life. It doesn't. <laughs> we were hoping. We yeah. didn't really care about the rest of the features or, or yeah. hair. You know, we just sort of assumed she would have. You know, dark brown hair and the dominant ones. Yeah, I mean, she'd have the dominant brown eyes, yeah. dark brown hair. We just sort of assumed that those would pop up, but when the blue eyes held on, we were like, "Wouldn't it be cool though?" If she just like was like a little mutant. <laughs> then you would. She defied the probability <laughs> of genetics. She had four more months before uh, they probably would have locked in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. She had a really long time before yeah. they would have locked in, but the, uh, I, was, I was pulling for it. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Uh, okay, so my my favorite line in the book. Um, so so I also picked something that was non-sexual. Um, I love books where there is a gossip column. I love it. I love when the gossip column is like driving, like alongside the storyline of of a book. Um, and so in this book, there's a gossip column. So um, my favorite one was I I kind of like abbreviated some of this, but. It's like scandal blooms. Whispers have it that <laughs> that is the elegant figure of the Beaumont botanist herself that has caught the eye of the Duke of Wesley. The Duke began the first dance with his garden nymph in arm, and it's and if roving eyes can be trusted, he may have ended the night with her as well. I liked that too. <laughs> I just thought it was very funny and. It was it was yeah. super well scandalo. <laughs> I like that too. I just I, I do love a good gossip column. Yeah. And the fact that um his uh sister is like feeding yeah. <laughs> information I know. to the gossip he column. He's so mad at her. Which is fun because like the next book is about her. Yes. About um Constance. And I love at the end of this book, he's like, I forbid you forever from ever talking to a newspaper ever again. And, and, spreading and she's like, sure, sure. She's like, yeah, 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 yeah sure. Cool. You got it. Okay. Insert yeah. next book. <laughs> and she like still does not, even in the second book, does not, this is like a little tease, but does not think she did anything wrong. No. Even though she absolutely could have ruined Poppy's life completely and yes. left her like destitute <laughs> on the side of the road. Um, but she thinks she brought together a true love match, which she did. She did. She's like, all's well that ends well. Ultimately, you did, but you also could have ruined everyone involved. <laughs> and she does not. I really liked her character. I was excited when this. I actually didn't think the second book would be about her. Yeah. Only because um, I thought she would be kind of like the matchmaker for a few books before her book came around. But I was excited to find out that it was going to be her. So stay tuned. That will be another episode. Dun, dun, dun. Um. I thought there were some good reviews from this book. Okay. Um, my favorite one was from Corrine Michaels on Goodreads. And she said, wow, wow, wow. I also, I'm sorry, but this is just how I read reviews. If this is not <laughs> how you sound in real life, I apologize. But this is how you sound in my mind. Wow, wow, wow. I recommend this book on the recommendation of Sierra Simone. And I was obsessed with the cover and blurb. I absolutely loved it. The writing is flawless. And the way she handled the hero was brilliant. I devoured every word as the story was unraveled bit by bit. For those who love historical and want a bit of edge, this is the perfect book. And I was like, that sums it up pretty well. I think that's a that's actually an amazing review. Yeah. I decided to stick to Audible. Normally, I'll switch to Goodreads or one of the other ones. But I was like, you know what? Since I'm doing the audiobook, I'm going to just pick an Audible review. Um, there were not that many reviews. Um, but they all kind of mirrored what this person said, um, which was that the book was great, <laughs> but here I'll read it. Um, the wrong reader, an affected American accent. Why wrong country, wrong class, wrong century. The story began well, but the accent was too much of an anachronism. <laughs> um, and basically all of the reviews said that the book was good, but the narrator was not their jam. Got it. Um, did you feel like that also? I did not feel like that. Um, so I have long ago like um, given up on expecting the narrator to have the right accent for the right time period or the right country. Like if it's in France, they do a British accent. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. that's look that's at what ever we do in American movies. Look at Ever After. <laughs> ever After is yeah. taking place in French, 
in France and the whole thing they're doing with the British accent except for every French word they're like de l'encre yeah de l'encre <laughs> Nicole de l'encre <laughs> but it's so out of place because the only thing they say with that French exactly. accent exactly it's a great point you know what I mean and so I love that movie like, everyone watch that movie it's yeah. the most romantic movie it's and, great and I didn't care yeah I really didn't care I mean as an intellectual and somebody who works in like you know, film and who's done a lot of like period costuming classes and that sort of thing. I know I'm aware, but I'm also like, I don't care, you know, but, but aside from the accent, you think the read was good. I thought she did a really good job with the read. Okay. You know, I thought she gave it an accent. So I felt like I was in an other, the place was other and that's all I really cared about. Um, so yeah. (laughs) Other Other time period, other, other enough. You know. I thought uh, another thing that did a really good job of of kind of letting me know this was a different time period was the front jacket of the book, with because oh. she had like the sort of the dress on the nineteenth century dress on with the back you know her hair was up I love a good nice, back the nice long neck I in love the back, a good back you know and it was like the Duke I tempted and you're like oh shit <laughs> we're about to get historical up in here uh, I did feel like after finishing the book I don't know that. She tempted the Duke. Because um, tempting makes me think that you're doing it knowingly. Yeah. And I think that... Like seducing. Right. Yeah. yeah like you're you're doing something to tempt him or to attract his attention, which she obviously did not do at all because it's not her character. Uh, great title, though. But I didn't necessarily... She didn't obviously tempt him, <laughs> but she did tempt him, but unknowingly. Yeah. But I liked the front cover. I liked the... Yeah. I thought the dress was beautiful. I thought the neck, the neck was working for me. Um, I liked that it was focused on her and yes. that the title of the book was focused on her and the book was... F- I mean, it's from both their points of view, but I liked that the book was about her and she was like an actual full character yes. with a drive outside of marrying him or outside of being his wife. She had like a full complex business plan and life plan and, and sort of like person aside from him. Yes. Uh, which I feel like is not the typical historical romance. No. And I enjoyed it. And also, I just, I do love that she married him with like the caveat that this is for my business, you know? Yeah. Like even, even when she made that concession, it was like for my business. Yeah. You know? So, but yeah, the book cover, um, I thought was pretty and it, it made sense for her. I do love that it was focused on her because so many times you think the book is focused on one thing and they make the cover about the guy and he's so much not the the plot or, you know, so right. much like a side character. Yeah. Um, with the flowers and stuff because she's, you know, like... The botanist. Uh, the botanist mm-hmm. or whatever. I didn't feel like the cover told me what the book, what I could expect in the book at all. It was just a pretty... For me, it was just a pretty cover. It was pretty, yeah. You know, it's pretty I mean, artwork. she was holding like a switch or something. Yeah. Like if she, that's exactly <laughs> like a riding like crop. A, like, or a tree branch, like yeah. a, like a, you know, or whatever. Or I think that could have. Oh, she has the key in her hand now that I'm zooming in. Oh, does she? She has the key in her hand, but how would you know still, that? And also it's very hard to see it in the cover. Art. Yeah. Still like, I, I, I still want to know what that key is for. But later on after reading the book and you see her with the switch, then you're like, oh. oh. And that makes sense. So I did think it was a beautiful cover. But I did also think like the second book, the cover, sometimes when authors make the covers very similar, it drives me crazy because the cover is really how I identify the oh, book. Okay. I'm like, oh, it's the book with the girl with the purple dress and then <laughs> whatever. And if the next book looks very similar or that sort of thing, I kept getting confused in between the books when I would hit play. I would start playing uh, the, the other book, one. the wrong one, um, or whatever. But um, but yeah, I did I did like it. I did I did kind of want her to put something in there that told me that there was going to be an edge, like a little edge, a little edge. You little, know, what I'm little kinky kink. You know what I'm saying a little, yeah. <laughs> a little how's your mother? Yeah, <laughs> how's your mom? How's your mother? Um, 
I would recommend that you read book two. Yes, I would. I would recommend that. I as mean, well. there are, are lots of other historical romances, and, and we'll obviously shoot you guys links and stuff to all of those. But um, this book was awesome, mm-hmm. and you should read the second book. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to talk about the second book, so you should read it for that reason too. Exactly. So you can read with us. Mm-hmm. So uh, this author, I, I, I'm with her. I'm with, with her. I'm riding with her. I love that it says book one, and there's already a book two, and I'm mm-hmm. like, are we gonna get a three, four, five, six, seven? Eight? <laughs> How many more books? I'm like, do you got, how, how, many, how many characters did she know, introduce? I'm like, she, I'm like, I don't feel like she's introduced enough characters. Yeah. Certainly not in this book to feel like there's a huge group of people. Yeah. But you could also still, I mean, it's pretty easy to introduce a character, I feel like. Have you ever read a book where in book one, the, they introduced a side character who was like a dick? Like a terrible, terrible dick and you hated them. And then they bring them around in book five for their love story? Have yeah. You, like... Yeah. Have you been able to get into it? No, because like, I'm like super mad that you've been lying to me and all of a sudden they're a good person. And I'm like, are they? Though? Are they? Because they've been acting like a real cunt for uh, the past five books. <laughs> I was like, is that just me? Because I, I read no. the one like that. I was like, you you made me hate this character. Yeah. And now you're trying to make me invested in this yeah. character. And like, even they're like, oh, well, bad stuff happened to him. I don't care. I mean, that only works. And I'll say this with all seriousness. That only works in supernatural books. Yeah. Lothario, like Z- like sadist, <sighs> yeah. It's like it only works in that circumstance because he was a slave for two hundred years and being tortured. Yeah. So you can forgive him a little bit of social awkwardness, and you can forgive the fact that he's when you find out his full story that he's a jerk and he's very like harsh and and immediately defensive yeah. about everything because he's has been actually hurt for. 200 plus years and he's a vampire he's another species in that case i'm like okay i can forgive these things but she never made zetas actually good later well she, he, he he still says zetas but she never made him actually do something really fucked up like he, no he may have, he may have cornered her and been he like may- hey girl or whatever but then nothing happened after that's that. true so no line was crossed but some of these are where a line was crossed and you're just like how am i supposed to Oh yeah, like this character now, like that to me, like in, like in the um, Immortals After Dark, there's a book called Lothario. He's mm-hmm. he's like a puppet master um, uh, through the whole thing. He's slightly shady, whatever, but he never crosses a line. But he's still shady as hell. Yeah. So when in his book, you actually get like you you, it feels more of that like dominant. He has that dominant like ooh, this is like he gives you that billionaire feel. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <clears throat> So anyway, I would recommend. Uh, this was worth the read. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely worth the read. Yeah, we loved it. Mm-hmm. Give us more. Give me, give me, and give me more. Unsurprisingly, this book won the Golden Heart Award, um, which is an award for that the Romance Writers of America give, which is the biggest romance writers group. And you submit unpublished manuscripts and then they give out awards and they have like finalists and stuff. And this book won. And then the second book was a finalist. Um, so sealed by the romance writers of America as, as a, as a new upcoming author and debut novel. And I think they were right on track. Cause this is definitely one of the best romance novels, certainly mm-hmm. the best historical romance novels I've read in a while. Yes. I will remember the title of this book. Yeah. Like 
And that's at this point, like a miracle. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> My mind is a sieve. <laughs> there are so many titles flowing through it. I only remember the first books I ever read, really. The ones that made the first impact of, mm. of you know, mm-hmm. the first one that made you go, <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> you know? Is anyone home? Exactly. I just shut my door. I'm still trying to figure out this one book where it was like a woman. She had been like, I think she had been like assaulted at a certain point and she would hang like bells on her door um, so that she could hear if anybody was coming in. And it was an old, old book. And I think it was in the 70s that it was written. It was had one of those old covers. I read it at the library. It was missing pages type thing. I also stole pages out of it, the sexy ones. Um, <laughs> Your desecration of library books is something we really oh need to talk about. Oh my God, Bridget, judge me. Please, just I judge, do judge, judge me. You. The shame will make me I stop. don't judge a lot of things, but I judge desecration of library I was, books. I was like 15. That's so rude for the next person. I know, so rude. <laughs> Can you imagine getting to the sex scene and it's gone? Yeah, um, terrible. Any book, you're just ripping out pages of the story and then people are like, the fuck's going on? <laughs> but it's I, rude. I need to know what that book is because it was like one of the first ones I had ever read. Where are like, the pages that you stole? <laughs> He threw them my, away. My then. mom found them, oh. and they are gone. Okay. Yeah. Well, that'll happen. <laughs> All right, fair listeners, we have to go. But until then, may your books be your lover and your hand your best friend. Yowza! <laughs> we'll see you next time. See you next time. Good job, Bridge. Good job, Shawnee. Hey. Hey. <laughs>